Before we dive into this week's episode, I have to tell you about my new obsession, which is booze-free cocktails by Curious Elixirs. So after my family Euro trip to Germany and France, there was a lot of champagne and beer ingested, and I knew I had to make a change. I came back feeling so slow, lethargic, not motivated, and that was just not exactly how I wanted to start feeling in 2022. And I started taking inventory of what was the culprit. It was 100% alcohol. I immediately started looking into booze-free cocktails because I still wanted the taste and feel, and voila, Curious Elixirs popped up. Curious Elixirs are booze-free craft cocktails infused with adaptogens to help you unwind. Okay, incredible. Whether you're sober or sober curious, toasting your team or sipping solo, Curious Elixirs is on a mission to create the world's most sophisticated cocktails without the alcohol. Inspired by classics like the Aperol Spritz, the Spicy Margarita, and the Negroni, every Curious Elixir is handcrafted with organic ingredients and no refined sugar. Their ingredients include adaptogens and plants that benefit your body, helping you relax and de-stress without the hangover. They offer one-time orders as well as subscribers-only Curious Cocktail Club to ensure your fridge stays stocked. You can order Curious Elixirs online and have it shipped directly to your door at CuriousElixirs.com. I've been trying them for the past few weeks, and it is insane how much it truly tastes like a booze-free craft cocktail. My favorite is number three, which tastes like a cucumber Collins. I drink it at night, and it does feel like I'm unwinding and de-stressing, which is incredible. And then I can wake up without the hangover and actually be a productive member of society. So again, head to the link in my show notes to check them out or go to CuriousElixirs.com to try some today. Your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea, chilling in bed, recording this podcast, recovering from a big lunch I just had. And this is the beauty of podcasting. I'm telling you all, you get to chill out and just talk about whatever you want for however long you want. It's my favorite thing. And the reason I'm talking about how amazing it is, is because I now have six spots open for one-on-one podcast coaching. I just had several of my students graduate in February. So now I have spaces opening in March and there are two different ways we can work together. There's a three-month package, and this is really focused on launching your podcast. And then the six-month package is about launching, growing, scaling, and monetizing. So if you know that after your podcast launch, you want support, the six-month option probably makes sense. But if you're like, I know I want to get this up and running, but I just need that guidance and that step-by-step strategy for launching a podcast, then the three-month option probably makes sense. So I'm going to include links in my show notes. And of course, DM me or email me, info at chelseareich.com. If you have any questions about how we can work together, I am so excited to help a ton of you launch your podcast and stay tuned because there's some more exciting announcements that I will be dropping in the next few weeks around podcasting and other ways that I'll be teaching it to you. Okay, so today's episode is with Case Kenny. And Case, I have been following for now probably like two years. My mom, I feel like, is the one that introduced me to him. And you probably follow him and don't even realize it because he is one of those accounts that he posts um, quotes on like coffee cups and post-it notes. And he's always getting reposted by huge news outlets like Complex and Tanks Good News. It is incredible that he has built such a following with really awesome quotes And to be honest, it really helped me when I was going through my breakup. So we talk about that in the beginning of how that was actually not his main goal. We talk about his optimism and where he thinks he got it. We talk about using a podcast as therapy and a creative outlet. We both really like to use our uh, podcast as verbal processing. We also discuss maintaining integrity between social media and real life. I think this is a big one that a lot of us are struggling with right now. We feel like we need to be one person online and then we're a different person offline. And I feel like that's that disconnect that happens where we get exhausted because we're like almost trying to play a character on social media instead of being like, what up? Got a little too drunk this weekend, hung over in bed, chilling, but here's something I'm up to this week. Like we're so weird about 
talking about what we're really doing. And Case and I talk about that, like maintaining integrity between who you are on social media and real life. We also discuss transitioning back to online dating after the pandemic. I feel like a lot of us, you know, got on the apps for social connection. And then when it got to actually setting up dates, it was like, wait, I haven't done this in years. So that's a really hard transition. And we discussed some ways and tips that you can get back into it without biting off more than you can chew or becoming a cynic. And we also talk about stories that we tell ourselves that affect our reality. You all know, I love mindset. I love knowing that thoughts are so powerful and we do have the opportunity to change them. So we talk about how to change this, especially when it comes to dating. Dealing with rejection, I give a lot of stories around the rejections that I faced in the last six months, including when a guy ghosted me, when a guy just told me straight up no, he didn't want to go on a date, when guys just are wishy-washy and don't make plans. There's a lot of rejection that's happened in the last few months, and we talk about how to reframe that rejection and look at it differently, and then also using gratitude as a way to get over breakups. And I know that last one, if you're going through a breakup, you're probably rolling your eyes because that's what happened when I started looking at this. When when I was hearing it back, I was like, I remember going through a breakup and just being so, so sad, heartbroken, full of grief, full of tears, full of like despair and all these things about like, oh, just be grateful that it happened and smile because it happened. I was like, you don't fucking get it. Like, you don't understand the grief that I'm feeling. And I will say now about seven months after my breakup, I can understand what Case and I were talking about from a better lens of, yes, the greatest thing about a breakup is you cut something off that wasn't going to serve you in the long run. It's like that quote, like a thousand paper cuts or something. That's like staying with someone that you're not meant to stay with. That's what it feels like a thousand paper cuts. It's like small, but you don't realize it. But then eventually it's like, you're all cut up because you just stayed with someone too long. And so a way to look at a breakup is like, thank God I got out of this before my whole life was committed to this person or before we had even bigger problems and we didn't know how to deal with them. And now there's a child involved or a home or a dog or whatever the case is. So I know sometimes when we hear things like, Oh, just be grateful it can be annoying. And I don't think you need to be grateful all the time. Sometimes things are really shitty and we just have to deal with them. So I do think we talk about some practical ways though, that you can use this mindset to get over breakups. So we talk a lot, this is really focused on relationships and dating and rejection. So if you are going through any of this stuff, I really feel like this episode will be super helpful for you. And I really hope you find value out of it. If you do find value, I have a super exciting giveaway this month. Anybody who leaves a review is going to be entered into a giveaway to win one variety pack of Curious Elixirs. These are the drinks I've been obsessed with because I'm trying to reduce my drinking. And it is crazy how they taste like cocktails. I thought it was going to taste like fruit juice. I was like, oh, these are going to taste like pineapple juice and orange juice with maybe some bubbles or something. I thought it was going to be more of like a sparkling water deal. No, no, no. I don't know what wizardry they have going on in these factories where they're producing this, but it is incredible. The ingredients, the taste. I mean, it really does just taste like a cocktail without the alcohol, with no hangover. And if anything, you're actually de-stressing because there's ingredients in it that will help you feel calm, de-stressed, relieved. It's wild how incredible they are. So if you leave a reveal and you send it to info at chelsearife.com or DM me at chelsearife with a screenshot, you'll be entered into that giveaway and I will pull the winner in two weeks. So again, screenshot your review, usually before you hit submit because Apple is weird and it takes forever sometimes to show up. So just hit that before you submit, send it to info at chelsearife.com or at chelsearife and you'll be entered in it to the giveaway to win one variety pack of curious elixirs. All right, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode with Case Kenny. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm here with writer, content creator, podcaster, and someone that you guys probably already follow and repost a lot because he does a lot of incredible marketing on his Instagram. Case Kenny, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for you to be on because your Instagram was actually pretty instrumental in helping me move on from a relationship this past summer. I was at my mom actually sent me your Instagram. I was like, I think you would like these quotes. They're really helpful. And I was like, wow, these actually are really, really helpful. So I feel like 
I know you as kind of the guy that posts the coffee quotes and the post-its and everything that, you know, inspirational, but what was your intention with starting to post content like that? Like, how did that all come to be. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the Instagram is like really a small part of what I do. It's always funny if you're like, oh my gosh, like you're the Instagram guy. I'm like, yeah, sure. But like, it's a, it's a small part rather of, of what I do. Like what I do is I, I, I podcast and I write. I'm a podcaster and writer, author by trade, if you want to put a title on it. And Instagram was just a way for me to bring my craft to, to light and get people to pay attention to what I have to say. And, you know, I never you know, set out to like, Oh, I want to, I want to be an influencer. In fact, I really don't even like, like that word. I think it's so, um, watered down lately, but the, the Instagram, I was like, I want to figure out a way to get people to practice mindfulness in the same way that I'm passionate about it. And, you know, quotes on the internet are so ubiquitous, like everyone posts quotes. And I think that's great. I would never dismiss that, but I was like, how can I make it a little bit more, um, relatable? I was like, there's something that's just kind of blase about a digital quote, right? That you whip up in Canva and you post on the internet. Like, oh, whoop-de-doo. I was like, how can I make it a little bit more real? Like, And I was like, well, coffee cups. Everyone drinks coffee or tea or something. I was like, let me write in on that. And then I was also like, well, I live in the, one of the greatest cities in the world, in Chicago. I have this great backdrop. Why not showcase some of that? So I just started writing on Post-its and stuff. And I think it, it took off. And you know, I'm super grateful for that. And I, I love sharing my thoughts. And it's also a fun process because I have so much to say and I love to talk. I was like, how can I force myself to simplify things? Because that's, I think, the value that I bring. People help simplify life or dating or whatever it is. And doing quotes where it's, you know, a hundred character limit. How can I distill a thought down into something real small that people can be like, oh, that's it. So simple. So, um, you know, just, it just, I just enjoy doing, and I'm always walking around Chicago. People come up to me fairly often because it's just like a very consistent thing. Me and my hat and my vans and a coffee cup or a piece of paper and just taking selfies and stuff. So, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun thing I do. It's a great creative outlet too. I love that. Yeah, your podcast, New Mindset Who Dis, is incredible. Like you said, you do a great job of digesting not only like, I don't even think they're complex topics, but people have a hard time relating to them. And I feel like you do a really good job making it relatable. But usually when we start talking about mindfulness, something in our own lives happened that made us want to become more mindful. So do you think you were always someone that practiced mindfulness or was there a moment that really got you into this work? Yeah, I think it's 50-50. I always joke that when I was rolled out of the human lab, I was just j wired to be optimistic and wired to be self-aware. I, I, I do think that there, I don't know, I'm not a scientist, but I do think there's certain biological genetic predispositions to certain mentalities in life. I, I, I don't know if there's any science behind that, but all I know is that I, my default state is optimism, is self-awareness, is, is honesty with myself. Cause it just feels, Oh, I hate the feeling of lying to myself. I hate the feeling of deluding myself. I just don't do it. So 50% of that I've always found myself in life being like, well, the answer is pretty simple. I got to do this or I got to do that. Never was too much of a overthinker kind of vibe. There's that. And then, you know, I mean, I started the podcast when I had just gotten out of a relationship. It was a long relationship, lived together that ended quickly. And I hopped out of that 29, 28, 29. And I was like, who is case? What do I represent as a man outside of a relationship and outside of my job at the, at the time I was very, very invested in my job. Um, and I was like, who am I? And that's why I started the podcast as a challenge to myself to ask myself these questions that, um, you know, uh, I wanted to challenge myself to, to answer, not just in my head, cause that's easy, but to speak to them and do that. And, you know, through that process, I was like, wow, not only does this feel great for me, it's like my own form of therapy, but also it helps other people. I was like, wow, what a, what a tremendous privilege I have. And then I just kept doing it and it kept getting bigger and bigger and, and, and the rest is, is kind of history, but I'd say it's 50% just kind of how I've been born and grew to view life. And then also, you know, some, some life events here and there that kind of just pushed me to, to challenge myself to do these things. Do you ever feel like when you're going through a hard time, you know, people look to you to be this source of either inspiration or moving on or whatever the case is, how do you deal with your own hard times? Yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. I mean, it's like, again, everything I do, I'm so privileged to be able to do it. Like I'm, I'm living a fairy tale to be able to say, like I share my feelings for a living and I write for a living and these things that previously I thought would be so out of reach. And here I am doing it, you know, alongside that, it's like, I'm just constantly bombarded by 
people's problems and issues and frustrations. And I, and I do love it because it gives me perspective and it helps me connect and community and all those great things for me though. You know, sometimes when I do this all day, every day, it becomes a big much that like, I don't even get to my own problems because I'm either thinking about helping other people or thinking about how to relate to other people's problems or, or directly answering them, whatever. So I think I, I'm getting better at that. Um, and I need to get better at that. But like I always say, I mean, I don't go to therapy myself. I think everyone should. Um, I would a hundred percent if I didn't have my own podcast, but I found in my life that my podcast is my therapy twice a week sitting down and doing these things is like three hour long, uh, therapy sessions twice a week. It really is. And it's so helpful for me. Um, so that in effect is how I approach these topics. I sit down and I follow my creative process and not only does it result in what I think is great creative output, but it also forces me to go deep on these things and really think them through and, and look at it through a lens of me for once rather than someone else. And that to me is, is very rewarding, but I, I still, I mean, I hope people don't look to me as, as a example of balance. I'm still trying to figure out balance between my life and work and my life and, you know, and everything growth, um, you know, oriented, I'm still working on that in a sense, but, um, the, the podcast like is the center of my life, uh, in, in a good way, I think personal business and everything. Absolutely. I think verbal processing is so underrated. I tell my audience the same thing. I'm like, I'm just going to spill my guts on this episode and it's actually helping me. Don't worry. I'm not you know, yeah. scared of sharing this. Like you just said, it is a form of therapy. So I feel like I agree with um, letting it all out on the audio waves. It's really helpful. Yeah. But what's also funny too, because on Instagram, like I post a lot of things, right? A lot of things that are rather triggering sometimes. And I get people all the time that are so nice. They're like, Case, man, I just want to let you know, we like, we're rooting for you. I'm like, <laughs> like, to be clear, I'm not going through all these things right now. Like these are either observations of life and how I think I could be helpful or it's a lesson that I learned in my twenties or whatever. It's just sometimes people are like, Oh man, you know, cases, cases going through it, man. He's posting all these quotes about betrayal and, you know, mixed signals and chasing and all these things. And I, meanwhile, I'm sitting here very happy and very, you know, yeah. good to go in my life. So it's the internet. It's a funny balance, but, um, you know, I, I love it. Yeah. That's actually a good segue into my next question is that again, we all know Instagram is either a, a secondary platform where we're repurposing content or it's our highlight reel or whatever the case is. But because you have really built your platform to be, like you said, people do go to it for inspiration and motivation and observations. Do you feel pressure when dating to almost like follow all the advice that you've put on the, on your Instagram? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Someone asked me that the other day. Someone was like, does being emotionally in touch with yourself make dating harder and, and I think it makes it so much easier, frankly, because it's like my my whole thing in life is like my only goal in life. Like I, my goal in life is not to be happy. I think those are those are fleeting goals to set. My goal in life is to be proud of myself. That's my goal. I think that leads to the things that are by, by effects of that. And, um, you know, for me, it's like, do I feel pressure? Yeah, I feel pressure, but it's pressure I put on myself. It's like I have this goal of being the person I am on the podcast all the time. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. um, nothing would make me less proud of myself than to say one thing on the podcast and turn around and do the opposite. Like to me, that's embarrassing. It's a, it's a betrayal of a gift I've been given. It's all these, you know, big word hyperbole type things. So that's my goal. Do I feel pressure? Yeah, I feel pressure a little bit, but it's good pressure. It's like, that's my vision board. That's my goal list. Like how much more clear mm -hmm. can it be? There's no ambiguity because I spend so much time thinking through topics and decisions and questions to ask myself. There's really no excuse for me not to at least know what the right move is and then to do it. So it's like, it's this great like symbiotic ecosystem where I could help other people, but in effect help myself and level up in that process. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pressure, but I, it's not like I feel pressure to perform or like I feel pressure to do this or do that. It's pressure I put on myself for the reason that I want that pressure to guide me to not regret a decision or not regret. That's my other, my, my whole thing is I want to empower people to not have regrets in life. And I think the best way to do that mm -hmm. is to always be approaching decisions through the lens of would I be proud of myself through this decision? Um, and that's, that's the way I, I put that goal on myself, um, is through, is through the content. Cause then I'm like, okay, I'm locked in. If I said it, I have to do it. I can't, I can't be mm -hmm. a hypocrite. Um, and that's tough. Of course, I'm far from perfect. And, um, but that's my, always been my goal and always will be. I love that, that 
you know, I love what you said about if you were posting something and then doing something opposite, not only does it feel embarrassing, it's a little bit out of integrity because then it's like, who is this person? Yeah. And I like that you're saying these oh. things are all going together. It's not like you're one guy on Instagram, one guy on the podcast, and then one guy in quote unquote real life. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can't be that way for me. I, I know it, I know it's all, it is that way for a lot of, you know, influencers and people with social following and that's okay. But like when you're in the self-help space, that's a space that's inherently emotional and vulnerable. Like, I don't, I don't think there's room for that. I really don't. It's like, why would anyone listen to me if I said one thing and did another, then it's, it's all just theory. And that's always been my issue with the self-help space in general. Like I used to be kind of cynical about it. Like, Oh my gosh, here, we're going to talk about our feelings and we're going to make up things like love languages and attachment styles. Like, Oh my gosh, like what do we just sit down and make this up? Old me, of course. And I, I, I think that was very misplaced, but anyone, anyone that's giving advice that's related to life, love, self-esteem, whatever, like they, they have to build trust and it's not only trust with yourself, it's trust with your audience, of course. Um, so I just, I just think it's so essential. Otherwise why, you know, why I wouldn't listen to someone who gave advice and did the opposite thing. And in fact, it happens all the time when you have a, a trust with like a, a celebrity or someone, and then you realize they did something horrible, it disappears in a, in a moment. So it's like my, my whole thing is, you know, not, is being proud of, of my actions and, and always following through. And, um, as long as I do that, then I believe wholeheartedly in what I do and what I represent. And I like to think I'm doing a decent job. So it all goes together. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you talk about dating and breakups and, you know, being single and fulfilling yourself while you're single. And I want to go to the, I want to talk to the single people for a second. There are a lot of single people that, you know, in 2020 went through a pandemic lockdown, then started getting on the apps more because that was our only, you know, form of really connection. Um, the dating landscape changed a little bit where then people started to do FaceTime dates and zoom dates and et cetera. And now things are opening back up and people are getting back out there, but I can see personally, even that I'm having a little bit of trouble in real life because I got so used to being online all the time. I'm curious, do you have any advice for people that are single and want to get back into the dating game, especially after being in a lockdown or, you know, pandemic restrictions? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I could talk for hours about different (laughs) concepts. I think the biggest thing, whether you're, you're trying after taking a break or you're trying again after another disappointment or whatever it may be is like, I really do think we need to tell ourselves new stories. Genuinely. I think I love social media and I'm never that person who's like social media has ruined our lives and it's taken us from the real to the, I I just don't like that. It's just complaining and whining. I think social media is incredible. I think it could connect and empower and inspire, but I will say that it has really validated some of the negative stories that we love to tell ourselves about dating, namely that no one is honest, no one's serious. You're just going to be screwed over. Uh, you're just going to have another talking phase. That's going to end up in disappointment. Like every meme account, every, even like the women's focused account, they're all like that. I saw one yesterday that was um, like on the chicks account or whatever, the, the popular account. And it was like, how do you know if you're going to be disappointed by another talking phase? And the answer was, you will be. And I was like, Oh, I just hate it. I just, I hate it. It's such a negative mentality. And it's like kind of cliche, little fairy dust advice. At least I would have used to see it that way, but it's like, it's one thing to tell yourself, Oh boy, here we go again. I'm going to meet this guy. I'm going to meet this girl and we're going to go on one date. And then we're, we're going to ghost, we're going to breadcrumb, we're going to lie, whatever it is. It's one thing to have that expectation, to have that story that you tell yourself versus a story of, here's what I deserve. I'm confident there's someone out there who can deliver on that. Let's go and call it a day. Whatever you believe in, whether you believe in something faith-based or karma or the universe or energy or vibrations, like I think we'd all be, be misplaced to think that the stories we tell ourselves have no effect on reality. I don't think there's, I don't think that's possible. And to, to, to be like, I tell myself a story that all men are cheaters, for instance, that's your, that's your narrative. And then but you don't want that. How do you reconcile the story you tell yourself with the reality you want to find? Those, those just don't match up. Like you, like, sure. Some men cheat, some women are crazy. Let's go to the most hyperbole in the world. Sure. 
keep that in your back pocket as an observation, but the story you're telling yourself has to be aligned with the reality you want. And so if you just took a long break and you're getting back into dating and you're saying, oh boy, here we go. I can't wait to be ghosted. I can't wait to be hurt. It's like, well, how are you surprised when that happens again versus something that is a little bit more blindly optimistic of, all right, here we go. I can do this. I'm looking forward to meeting someone who does X, Y, and Z. I know that person's out there. Let's go. It's a little thing, but I think mentality is everything. So that's my long, long, short answer. But I do think it's so important. Like there's nothing concrete in that answer. There was nothing specific, but I really do think the mentality, you tell, I mean, it's the same way if you're an athlete, if you go into a game being like, man, I'm going to blow it. Are you going to be surprised when you blow it? Like we're in, like, we're more in tune with ourselves than we think. And the world, the universe, karma, whatever is more in tune with the stories we tell ourselves than we think. Absolutely. I actually think there was pretty tangible advice sprinkled in there and it's the, the meme accounts. I actually, so I started out my career when I started working for myself as a mindset coach. And the very first thing I would tell people is like, we need to go through your social media and do like a quick audit. And I'm like, I get it. They're funny. Some of them are, but then like you said, when some of them are like ready for another weekend of being ghosted and hangovers or, you know, let's sit all, what are we doing Sunday crying all day? And I'm like, why do you want that yeah. in your feed constantly bombarding you? And then, like you said, we, we act like, oh, it doesn't bother me. It's just a funny meme account. But we, when you're on Instagram, whatever, five hours a day scrolling and that's all you're seeing, you start to think it's like funny to get ghosted. And you're like, oh, can't wait to tell, tell this story in the group chat. But you're actually disappointed. So I agree. I think social media does. It's incredible. And we also have to be honest that some of the content we see isn't that helpful. It really isn't like, yeah, I mean, that's so true. Like we're, we're weird. We'll say one thing, but really like deep down want another thing or like, it's weird. Like the, the, the thing that I hate recently and, um, is this whole thing about millennials having, having seasonal depression, like for one, again, the science, if you truly do have a seasonal depression or some kind of vitamin D deficiency, I have no space to talk about. And I have no idea what I'm talking about, but this meme that you're sad in the winter, you're, you're supposed to be sad in the winter. You are a sad millennial because it's the winter. Be sad. You're sad. You're anxious. You're anxious. Like it's all those accounts that make it funny. That's like, Oh, I'm going to go take my walk because I'm sad. I'm going to go drink my coffee. It's like, I just don't understand why we're reinforcing these things that yes, of course they do affect people, but it's like, we're almost making it like cool. Like if you're not sad, yeah. what are you doing? If you're not being ghosted, what do you, it's like, so like we're, I'm not saying yeah. we're, we're attracting those things, but like the stories we hear, the content we consume, whether we acknowledge it or not, subconsciously it impacts us. So I'm I'm right on the same page with you. I we like we need to remove it however we can or learn to observe and not feel. But that's another topic, I suppose. Oh yeah, we can get into that for sure. So I think anyone listening that's single, definitely do a social media audit. This is also just for people that trigger you know if you're following an influencer that every time you see their content you're like oh my god I, I can't believe this or that and the other thing just do an audit because here's the thing anyway someone's going to repost the meme in the story it's probably going to show up in your explore page anyway and the meme account doesn't know if you follow them or not so it doesn't really matter if you're going to go on an unfollow spree yeah social media cleanses are or audits are amazing so single people i also know as a woman getting back to the dating scene there is this narrative, what you're talking about, stories we tell ourselves, that being clear about what we want is crazy. So asking for a date or, you know, t double texting them or whatever the case is, like, we are constantly checking ourselves. Is this crazy? Do I sound crazy? Do I look crazy? And I want to get a guy's perspective. First of all, where do you think that story comes from? And second of all, is there are there actually things that women do that qualify them as quote unquote crazy when you guys are, you know, chit chatting in group chat? What makes a girl quote unquote crazy? Yeah. So I have no idea where it came from. My, my theory would be that it came from our parents' generation, our parents' parents' generation, where there was at the time and no disrespect to anyone, if you still want to do that, very clear gender, gender roles and very clear courtship expectations, right? May I date your daughter, please? And then you, you, you go down that line. When that was the expectation, yeah, mothers would tell their daughters, you are the prize, you are to be uh, courted, and you are to say nothing, and you are to be pleasant and lovely and go with the flow. Again, I'm making these things up, but I'm sure there's some truth to that statement, right? 
those things. Oh yeah, I was gonna say there's. I've been told that. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. I would never want to assume things because I am a man. Uh, okay. So let's say that there's some basis in that. Okay. So maybe that's where it came as a starting point. And then, you know, the, the whole idea that, you know, you're going to come across as crazy if you set an expectation <laughs> in my life as a man, as a straight man, uh, in the life of my fellow men who I'm close with and my friends, none of us have ever been off put by a woman who early on was like, what are you looking for? Here's what I'm looking for. Never, 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 never. So I don't know where that came from, to be honest. I'm, my guess is that it came from a, a parent's generation or my guess is that, okay, maybe it did come from a scenario where a woman did go too hard on it and was like shined a light in this dude's face on a first date and was just too aggressive. But the flip side would be true if a guy did the same. So I don't think it's a man or woman thing regardless. So I'm very at war against the idea of women of discouraging women from making the first move, setting intentions, whatever it is. To me, I think it's the most attractive thing in the world. Like knowing what you want, knowing why you're doing it. I think that's, that's incredible. So I'm always talking about, about that topic. And I think it's, I think it's essential. Like, I don't understand why we're averse to it. I mean, from a woman's point of view, if you, if you set an intention on the first date, for instance, or you ask their intention and they're turned off by it, they're like, Whoa, miss lady, like way too much. Well, you just got the clearest answer that that dude's not right for you. So what is the harm in it? Either you get an answer of, oh my gosh, I love the question. I'm looking for this, that, and the other. You're looking for the same thing. Fantastic. Right off the bat, we're on the same page versus, oh my gosh, ew. Like, why are you, why are you, why are you doing this? Okay. Well, either way you have an answer. One might be a little bit awkward and vulnerable, but you're getting an answer either way. So truthfully, I, I don't understand why this continues to exist in, in culture I'm not a woman, of course. I'm sure it's not as easy as me just to say, well, just do it. But I think when you rationalize your way through it, you're going to get an answer either way. One might not be the answer you want, but it's the answer you need. And then the other is the answer you want, and it's the answer you need, and it's great. And it's a, it's a great answer. So to be honest, I, just, I never understood that. And I, I don't know why that's that's still a thing that women need to, you know, be really passive initially. It was like, OK, well, be passive, then go off. But then you can't complain when you're three months in and the guy all of a sudden is like, no, 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 I'm not looking for anything serious. I was like, well, you could have figured that out on date two by asking. So, yeah, that's kind of my take. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, when you were saying those things. That's why I was smiling and said that I have been told those things like I have been told, let the guy, you know, men are hunters. You need to let them come to you. You're the prize. That's you don't want to look too pushy or forward. And so I think a lot of times not only are we sold this message, but then what you just said, we're actually scared of rejection. We're scared of getting the actually I'm not interested in dating or actually I'm really not feeling this thing. And I think we just it's interesting because it's weird that we would rather float around in uncertainty and get hurt six months in than just ask the question like you said on date two and get a clear answer. It's kind of this weird conundrum. It's like, why are we wasting six months when we could have just figured it out early on? Yeah. I mean, but that really is it. It's like the fear of rejection, but fear of rejection makes mm -hmm. us do weird things. Namely, get in a situationship with someone to avoid the early on rejection or the early on misalignment is weird, but that's how we're wired. We're wired for self-preservation. I always say we're wired mm -hmm. for self-preservation physically and emotionally. Like we'll do anything to protect ourselves in the immediate. So by not asking that question in the immediate, you're preserving yourself emotionally because you're not getting that. No, 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 I'm not looking for anything. You are, ooh, but you're saving that for another day. You're kicking the can down the road. Mm -hmm. So it's like either embrace the awkwardness today and the sting today or embrace it down the road where you're significantly more invested. Choice is yours. Yeah. Um, but that's a that's a very mature outlook. Like not many people think that way. Um, and it's, I certainly didn't certainly did not in my in my 20s. So like no one's bad for thinking that I always try to make that super clear. It's it's human freaking nature. But I think we really need to take the signs when they come our way. Like if someone rejects yeah. you, if someone's on the same page as you, that's fantastic. That is the universe literally moving them out of the way. And you should be proud of yourself for that. But you have to be willing to take the awkwardness, the rejection, the no, the oh. So that's not easy. Not everyone's wired to do that early on. Oh, no, not at all. It's it's definitely practice. Like you said, I think most of us in our 20s are are not wired to be like, you know, what? I'm just going to say what I feel and see what happens. And I do think you have to practice, which is why 
sometimes getting back in the dating game when I say that for me is like I'm trying to practice relational skills and communication so that in my next relationship, I am more clear cut and forward and direct in what I want. So I have been practicing that of being like, hey, I would love to go on a date on Tuesday. Are you free? And sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm not looking to date. And I'm like, okay, thank God, because now, like you just said, I didn't waste six months wondering, is this guy interested? Is Does he want to date? It's like, great. You don't want to date. I'm going to move on to the next option so that I don't waste my time. But it took a long time. And like you just said, I'm not going to sit here and lie and be like, wow, I was so happy to get that answer. I was a little hurt. My <laughs> yeah. ego was a little bruised. You know, I, I talked to my therapist about it. I was like, what's going on? And then whatever. But the recovery time was like 24 to 48 hours, not six months, which I think is a, a the, the time saver again was like, now I don't have to be so hurt and invested. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's just, it's a willingness to take short term pain. Yeah. It's like a cold. You're going to have a cold for 48 hours and it's going to suck but then you move on. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, I think the greatest gift you could give yourself when you're dating is to get out of the gray as fast as possible. Like I've do so many episodes. I'm always trying to remember what I did. I did an episode on like looking back and always being able to populate a yes, no, maybe list. Like if you have a list of lovers, say for instance, as wild as that sounds, or if you're looking back and you're considering your ex, you're like, man, man, like, did we, did I mess up with that ex? Or you see your ex with someone else. It's like, I think that the key to happily dating is having a yes, no, maybe list where there's no one in that maybe column. It's either yes. And you're trying or you're married and successfully coupled. It's no, where you've moved everyone that didn't accept you, that rejected you, that you rejected them into no, but it's keeping that maybe column empty. Do you have a maybe column of like a bunch of people because you're in situationships with a bunch of them or you haven't asked them directly what their intention is? Like, I just think that's a recipe for wasted time, effort, energy, compassion, everything. It's like, we have to, as quickly as possible, you meet someone, they're in the maybe column. Great. You don't know them. It's your job as quickly as possible to move them. You, not them, you move them into yes or no. Yes. Being okay. We're on the same page, at least with our why, with our intention. Let's figure it out. No, no, because either we're not compatible or because I realized that they're not looking for the same thing. But if you're living by being okay with keeping someone in the maybe column for five dates, four months, five months, six months, you're only doing yourself a disservice. And I know it's tough to think that like linearly and that like black and white, but I, I really do think that's the key to respecting yourself. Otherwise, you're waiting for them to make the decision for you, which I think is just wild. Yeah. That's something I know you've posted about before, which I always laugh at. Like, am I into them or are they just like taller than me? Or like, am I into them or are they just my age? Like, you know, whatever the case is, it's like, now it's what you just said is important. It's your job, not their job. And I know women, especially, I'm not speaking for everybody, but from my group of friends, it's a lot of times we let the guy completely be in the driver's seat about our own emotions. And I'm like, well, wait, you're going on the date. Like, is he going to like me? Am I going to look weird? Am I crazy? And it's like, is he going to look weird? Is he crazy? Is he like, why don't you figure those things out for yourself? But I think, again, it goes back to that old mentality of like, sit pretty, just see if he likes you. You might end up together. You might get married. So I'm curious, do you have some, I guess, like practical questions or things that we can do on those first few dates to start moving people to those yes and no columns? Well, I I think building off of what you just said, it's literally that it's like, are you going into a first date wondering if they're going to like you or wondering if you're going to like them? That's the biggest question. If it's the former, I think it's misplaced. It's just wild to me that that would be your approach to everyone. Of course, that's important. They have to like you, but you are you. You're seeing through your eyes. Why are you wondering them through their eyes first? To me, that's wild. So I think it's an intention thing. You go into a date with the question of, well, I can't wait to meet this person. I wonder if I'm going to like them foundationally. And then another topic I talk a lot about that seems like a joke comment at face value is you should only date people you like. <laughs> and everyone's like, well, what are you talking about? But we are, as humans, we're so blinded by other people's attention to us that we forget that. We literally forget if we like them because someone love bombs us, someone compliments us, someone's nice to us, someone holds the door open, someone orders for us, someone follows up after a a first date with a text. We're like, oh my gosh, like he, she, let's go with he. He's so nice. 
he, he responds on time. He follows through. He initiates. He's kind. He complimented me. He was respectful. Oh my gosh. That we forget to be like, is that enough for me? Like those types of things are great. hundred percent. They're great. And I would never disqualify that. And I'm not saying that we need to hold ourselves on a pedestal, but like that has to be the foundation. That can't be, that can't be enough. Like we, we have to raise the bar. And I know it's tough because people have been beat up. People have been hurt in the past and betrayed in the past where I just want an honest, nice guy. That's where the bar has become. But that should be the bare minimum. Someone who's nice, respectful, initiates, follows up, is funny, even add funny to the list. You should be able to find you should be able to you should be able to find that person. And I don't think that should be the reason. But anyway, I just I say that because we get blinded when someone else likes us, we forget to ask ourselves whether we like them. And that's not a reason. Like the the toughest truth sometimes, and I'm going to post a quote later today. It's like, just because someone loves you doesn't mean you need to love them. And that's super, super tough. Like, I don't even know if I'm ready to face a truth like that. Like that, that'll mess you up mm. right there. So, but I mean, that's a big, that's a big vibe in and of itself. It's like, you, you can't be afraid to reject someone not because they're not a bad, because they're a bad person, but because it's not what you need. And I think that's the most compassionate thing in the world, but you know, it's true. And it's like, I I remember the quote that I'm going to post later is, you know, it's not enough that someone loves you. Like their presence in your life has to make you love you more or consistently. And I like those, like dating shouldn't be as selfish as I'm maybe making it sound, but it also kind of needs to be. It's like, otherwise it's not going to be sustainable. Like you have to look at things through your own lens. So I don't remember what your question was, but uh, hopefully that was helpful. (laughs) That was helpful. I was also like laughing a little bit at the part of, yeah, the bar has become a little low. My sister and I make this joke of like, is he nice or is that just basic human decency? Like, you know, carrying groceries to your car and you see your thing overflowing and someone helps you out and you're like, he's so cute. He helped me out. And I'm like, yeah, that's basic human decency to help someone struggling. So let's raise the bar a little bit. And like you said, add some things to our list and be confident that we will find them. And that's a question I have is I, I actually think a lot of people use their own experiences and again, the meme accounts and the stories and whatever. And it, the narrative is like, it's just hard. It's so hard. You know, dating is hard. I've been burned in the past. I had an ugly breakup. So I think when we get back out in the dating scene, we do set our bar a bit low. Cause we're like, I just want something a little bit better than last time. And I'm curious, how can, what would you recommend for someone who feels like that, where they're like, this just sucks, but I don't know how to be more optimistic. Yeah. I mean, well, I, a little bit of tough love that I always give myself. Like I respond really well to tough love. I respond well to tough talk. Like case, like get up, like don't be a little bitch, like stuff like that. I respond well to that. Not everyone does. But I do think when it comes to dating, it's like, what are you expecting? Are you expecting it to be easy? Like this is on paper, maybe the most important thing in your life. You're expecting one, two, three, easy. Like, I think that's misplaced. I'm not saying again, back to our whole conversation. I'm not saying you should go in expecting pain and hurt but a, a little bit know that it's not going to be easy. It's like being an athlete. You're not going to win the World Series your first season as a rookie. No, it's going to take it's going to take a grind. You're going to have to earn that spot. You're going to have to work. So anyway, there's that. I think it's tough. I think it's very easy by through being burned to lower your standard. I think the most helpful thing to realize is like doing some kind of exercise of like what you deserve because through breakups, rejection, whatever it is, like we very quickly minimize and decrease what it is we think we deserve. We go into dating being like, I deserve this, that, and the other. And it's great. And slowly that list gets smaller and smaller. Same with our standards. But I like, I am very big on the idea in life that like you deserve what you yourself are willing to do. And you kind of have to blindly trust that. I think there's some things in life that you have to blindly trust. And in the case of worth, in the case of what you deserve in a relationship, if you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I want someone who's honest. I want someone who understands me. I want someone who is willing to be vulnerable. Say those things. If you can then look in the mirror at yourself and say, I am willing to be honest, vulnerable, and understand someone, then like logically you have to believe that you deserve that and no, nothing in the past should be able to take that away from you. But that is a leap of faith. Like you have to push yourself to deserve that. But I think, I mean, you know, self-development is as logical as things come. And I think if you sit down and you're like, okay, I want someone who treats me this way and that way, 
but then you say, here is the reason why it's because I do these things and I'm willing to do these things. Like that should give you a little bit of oomph and be like, well, if I'm willing to do it, I deserve someone who does it to me as well. So I think exercises like that are certainly helpful. I think it's also helpful, you know, we do these, we all tend to have checklists or like whether it's literally a checklist or um, a checklist in our head. I want someone who does this, that, and the other. Great. I think that's helpful in a sense, but I think it's also helpful to flip that exercise instead of being like, I want someone who brings these things to the table to be like, here's what I bring to the table. Just like a quick hype up exercise, call it affirmations, call it, you know, hype up, whatever. But we're very quick to forget that like X's Mm -hmm. thing. They they tend to minimize our, our, how we see ourselves. So I think between the two, realizing that you deserve what it is you're willing to do again, like that's why I'm kind of at war with this idea of you are the prize. I'm like, you are the prize, but show me why you're the prize. You're not the, like your worth doesn't come from just existing. Certainly. I think there's basic human respect that everyone deserves, but your worth, what you deserve comes from action. And I think if we could wrap our heads around that, then it's like, okay, no doubt, no doubt. So I, I do this, I do that, I do that. Well then yes, I deserve the same. And I think we start doing things like that. It can kind of snap us out of this thing where we're having frankly irrational assumptions about ourselves. Absolutely. That's a super helpful exercise. I've actually done that recently because I went through a breakup in summer. I got back in the dating game and it was just a slew of rejections. And you start to turn it on yourself of like, what's wrong with me? Why? What's happening? You know, you make it all about you. So I had to make this list, like you said, I'm like, okay, it's not, it cannot be that hard to find these five things that I think I have in someone else. But like you said, I really had to get intentional and sit down and write them. It felt good to write them down. And it made me realize, like, like you said, a little bit of tough love. I cannot be the only person out of 8 billion people in the world that wants these, that has these five things. You know what I mean? Like it statistically wouldn't even make sense. Um, There's also something you said about the tough love, which I appreciate is that I only learned this at 30 years old is like dating and relationships are an actual skill to be learned. I think Hollywood and the rom-com like rom-coms kind of skewed this idea of what a relationship is. Like you get married, the guy saves you. This is a lot of what's portrayed in, you know, Disney movies. The prince comes along, you live happily ever after, no problems. You, You know, you have the same sense of humor, same interests, same hobbies. And I'm like, that is the most warped unrealistic view of relationships ever. And it's only, like I said, until this year, I was like, actually, I need to work on my communication skills and setting my standards and setting expectations. But I don't know why it didn't click until recently. So I'm curious for you and, you know, being someone that is dating or at least, you know, gives advice on this. We, we tend to think of it as like something that's just going to happen to us, you know, Oh, a relationship's going to happen to me, but it is work. Like you said. So what are some, I guess, communication tips when people are either dating trying to weed people out, or let's say if you're in a relationship and you're like, I have a standard to set, or I have an expectation to set, how can we do that confidently? Yeah. Well, I think on the, on the former front, like you're dating and you're dating and you're dating, I think for one, it's like, it's easy, like to your point, like a slew of rejection or a slew of bad dates quickly convinces us that we're screwed. That, oh my gosh, this is pointless. I'm going to give up, whatever. But I mean, think about any other pattern in your life. A pattern's only a pattern until it's not anymore. It's like, yeah, you got a bad batch. It is what it is. Um, I would never do the, the plenty of fish in the sea, 8 billion people. Like, I, I believe that, but people tend to roll their eyes at that. You know, it's literally just a bad batch. You just it is bad luck. That's, that's literally all it is. A pattern is a pattern until it's not anymore. Like we have to believe that, and we have proof of that in every other area of our life. Like the example I always give is that it's very easy to look in life and find proof that life can go from great to bad quickly. We all have examples of that, no doubt. We all have examples of breakup, uh, failure, being fired, whatever. We all have examples of life can go from, oh, this is amazing to really bad. If we have proof of that, why can't we believe the flip side that life can go from bad, 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 bad to great quickly? Like life is all about like to my point earlier about what you deserve. It's like we have to apply logic sometimes to our life because our thoughts about ourselves are illogical. So if life can go from good to bad, why can't it go from bad to good? One, just a message of, of quick hope that, you know, the dating practically is a numbers game sometimes. And like, even in that sense, like I did an episode a long time ago about how, you know, sometimes, you know, it's about percentages. Like if you look at dating, you're like, all right, 
in or like let's say you're you're you do cold calling for a company or something like that and you know that it takes you 10 calls to book a meeting right so it's a grind you're like man i got to go through potentially nine hang-ups to get that one call but you know it that's what it is so you make three you're like man that really sucked but i'm getting closer to that ninth one i'm six in oh man i don't know if i could take it but only three more and i'm going to get that yes statistically right I think the same approach towards dating is a little bit helpful that each no is statistically moving you closer to yes or each bad date is statistically moving you closer to yes. I mean, it's like you can't put a number on how many bad dates you need to go through to find that one person. But let's say on average, the average person has eight partners, partners, dating partners before they find their person. Like we look at census data or whatever. Okay. At least we have some recognition that it's going to take no to get to yes, and that each no you hear statistically is moving you closer to yes. It's a tough pill to swallow. It's almost masochistic in being like, oh, it hurts so good because I'm moving closer. It's like it's a tough pill to swallow, but I think it's helpful. I genuinely do. So that's that point. And then on the point of like dating someone currently, I mean, I think the ultimate question you could always ask yourself is how does that person make you feel? does that person make you feel understood? I, I talk a lot about love and lust and connection and compatibility in my life. And I'm sure there's other answers. It really does come down to being understood. I think that's, to me, that's what I'm looking for in a relationship is feeling understood. And then there's things that come with that, of course, being challenged and inspired and, and things and supported and like verbs. But I think understood is, is the, the ultimate because that, that's, it's a big difference between being lusted after. There's a big difference between being attracted, complimented, being understood. So I think that's the biggest question you could ask yourself. And I think you can come at that from different angles. But I think the, the quick answer on, on that one would be uh, trying to understand how that person makes you feel. Do they make you feel understood? And then also, like, does what does that person bring out in you? Does that person bring out your best or your worst? Does that person bring out because everyone, everyone, we all know our our good attributes and our bad attributes. Like, I know I'm very impatient. I know I'm a. I can be a bit judgmental, so on and so forth. Does that person bring those out, or do they bring out your good qualities? Other questions to ask yourself when you think about your partner: Do they make you anxious or unsure or jealous? You know, I think those types of questions, while not singular deciding factors, are certainly important. Absolutely. And to piggyback off of like the whole sales call example, I think if you guys can relate to that or, you know, any job where you have to put in the work and some you get no's, some you get yeses, is you also learn from those calls, you know, like maybe it was the time of day or maybe I need to tweak my pitch. So if you're going like when I went through those, you know, whatever back to back rejections, instead of being like, Oh my God, the world sucks. I hate guys, whatever. I was like, okay, what can I learn from these experiences? And also how can I raise my own bar? And then still having the courage to go out there and be like, well, this is the name of the game. Like I'm not going to, no one's going to knock on my door and find me in my house watching Netflix. I need to get back out there and like actually put in the effort. But now I'm betting, my point is I'm getting better at it. So it's all practice. These aren't all things that me and Case are talking about that tomorrow morning, you're going to be an expert at communication and dating and figuring things out. But it is a practice. And just like you were using the athletic example, sometimes practice sucks. Sometimes you're like, I don't want to go. I hate this. I'm sore, whatever the case is. But then you go and you build that muscle memory and you're like, okay, I'm getting better at direct communication. I'm getting better at handling rejection. And to your point, after all those no's, you will eventually, it's almost inevitable, be able to hopefully find that compatible partner. Yeah. I love that. I mean, practice. No one wants to think about dating as practice because it's inherently emotional and, and somewhat draining, but it is true. And like along the lines of like, you know, uh, people being in cycles and patterns, well, you dissect it and you realize, okay, well, you definitely have a type. And every time that type disappoints you in some way, I think types are fine. I do physical types, you know, emotional types, whatever it is, whatever it is you're attracted to. I, you can't rewire attraction. And I don't think that's necessary, but I do think when it comes to this idea of types, we need to take a step back and go deeper. For instance, let's say, you know, you're the woman, you're like, oh man, I, I you know, I always did the same kind of guy. Um, you know, he's, he's always into clubbing. Let's, let's, let's say finance. I always date finance bros, whatever. Let's just pick a really cliche example. And it always ends up in hurt or pain or rejection or, you know, disappointment, whatever. It's like, okay, cool. So you're attracted to finance bros. Let's take out that you like the suits and the, you know, the, the, the catered lunches. What do you actually like about this guy? Ask yourself that question. You're like, well, I like his confidence. Let's just pick 
fair base adjectives here. I'm really attracted to his confidence, and finance bros tend to have that <laughs> misplaced but confident. They're very, very confident. Why do we assume that you can only find confidence in that type of person? Like you could find it in a guy who's in an indie band playing the bass, super confident. He's just in a different dress up. So I think we need to dissect what we're attracted to that goes beyond the face level. A physical attraction, I can't change that. But I doubt you're attracted to the the essence of a finance bro. Whatever, you're attracted to six foot tall dudes, whatever. That's great. But what is the actual characteristic you're attracted to? Let's say it's confidence. You could find confidence in so many different packages, truly. So I just like... Sometimes that, that might feel like a, a bit of a stretch, but I think it's exam- I think it's important to try to deconstruct if we do have a type and we are looking at patterns and we realize it's the same type every time. Let's deconstruct that. And I'm not saying okay, all of a sudden go out and try to find a guy with tattoos or you know who's you know an artist versus your your typical uh, path. But I think it's worth acknowledging what you're attracted to, why you're attracted to it, and then realizing that it can come in a very different shape and size that might be more compassionate and redeeming for you, particularly if it hasn't worked out in the past. Why not give that a shot? Um, Why not be open to that? If you're on dating apps, why not, instead of just looking for the same dude over and over again, why not be open to a different shape, size, appearance, whatever it is, um, based on what you know about what you're attracted to intrinsically? Yeah, that makes sense. It's like building evidence for yourself that you can date someone outside of your physical or whatever emotional type. And if you want to get really self-aware too, it's like, am I like, again, your post, am I attracted to him or is it just the suit? And also am I attracted to him because he doesn't pay attention to me? And I like the, you know, chase and pull and pull push and pull of this relationship because a lot of people are attracted to that. They like the uncertainty and they don't realize it when in reality, it's like you said, we're the most confusing creatures. Like we want certainty and safety, but then when we get it and a guy is clear, like, yeah, let's do it. I'm ready Tuesday at seven. Let's go on a date. I'm into you. It's like, Oh, he's too nice. I I don't like him. I wanted, I don't know. I kind of like this boy vibe on the weekend. No, I know it is wild. So it is absolutely wild. So anyways, I just wanted to, um, yeah, it's true know. though. That, that topic in particular I've talked about and there's some, there is some, most of everything I talk about is never based in science or biology or psychology, but there is scientific psychological elements to that. And the whole idea of, you know, uh, a guy or someone creating a pattern in your life, disrupting it, leading you to want more, giving it to you, withholding it like narcissistic type behavior. But that, that goes deeper than, you know, mindset. Some of that goes to our wiring, but it's all, it's all checks and balance through mindset as well. But like, yeah, that's, 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 that's a tough topic where, you know, you, yeah, it's, it's tough to rationalize that type of behavior. Um, but we do it for the reason that we're yeah. talking about. <laughs> yeah. That's probably where I would recommend talking to a therapist. Cause I've been in that pattern before right. where I'm like, 100%. I don't understand myself. Please help me get through this. Yeah. And it's really helpful. Yeah. Um, I know we have a few minutes left, so I would just love to quickly touch on breakups. A lot of people dealt with breakups in the last few years. The pandemic pushed people to their limit and they just realized they weren't compatible. Breakups are weird because it's like a death that you only know about and you just have to go on with your day. And all of a sudden you don't live with that person. Your routines are changed up. Little things, your inside jokes, it's all just gone, but you're just having to like get through the day. So if someone is listening that is either going through a breakup or just recently went through one, what are some tips or advice that you would give to try and pick yourself up and move forward? Yeah. uh, Another one of those topics that I could talk forever about. I mean, I think the the biggest one that's the toughest one is a little bit of gratitude. I know it's the toughest topic. It's the toughest mindset to have, particularly if you did not want the relationship to end and it ended. How are you going to possibly be grateful? But I mean, I always, I always try to approach things linearly. Like you're here on a line down here is your future, but like your relationship ended today. If you knew that it was going to end, would you rather it ended today or six months from now? Like the mature response would be today. Everything that we've been talking about, talking about delayed, delayed, delayed would be later. But I do think it's, it's gratitude definitely propels you into a much healthier mindset, knowing that it ended today. That means today is day one of healing versus six months from now. And I do think about like relationships and I hate to make like really sweeping comments, but I do think when it comes to breakups, there is a guarantee and that's that you're guaranteed to level up. I, 
I'm sure there's instances where someone was broken up with and they didn't learn anything and they went back to their old ways and they settled in major, major ways and they lived the rest of their life in regret. I'm sure that happens. But in my life, in the life of the observations I've made, it's like you're guaranteed a plus side through a breakup. It might be very painful. It could be a new standard. It could be a higher self-respect. It could be taking pause. But I do think you're guaranteed a gift in some way. And that starts today versus six months from now. And I think that's a very, very tough to, to see in the moment. But, you know, I think a mature mind can see that. So now you've got the whole future to grow and do these things and find yourself and refine yourself. And I, and I think that's really important. I think the last thing that I would add is like when it comes to breakups, we tend to think that, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever because the whole world knows that this breakup happened. Every future lover, every friend, every colleague, every coworker, every random person on the street knows that I was unlovable in some way. And I think that's a relatable thought because I, you just, you just, it just consumes you in every, in every way. But I think no one sees you like you see you, like you are hyper, hyper aware of every misstep you've ever taken. You're the only person in your life who's keeping score in some way. You're the only person who has a highlight reel, any failed relationship. You're the only person who continues to play it over and over again. I think we need to take a step back and realize that that's just not true. And you know, embark from a place of power. And sometimes the best step is to do that exercise that we talked about earlier, resetting what you bring to the table, resetting what you deserve in the future, doing that list of here's what I'm willing to do. And here's why I deserve it. Um, but I, I would, I would, I would end it there because I could talk a lot about breakups, but I think gratitude followed by setting the scene, setting the expectation, being kinder to yourself for a moment, realizing that no, no one even knows, frankly, no one probably even cares but you have the ability to rebuild and it's based on what you decide you deserve from that. I love that. Well, my last question, this podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion, and clearly you're an expert in dating and helping people really move through these mindset struggles that we have. But what is something that you're not an expert in that you wish that you were? Uh, I don't know. I'm not a great swimmer. I'm not great at swimming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so you're going to be working on your swimming skills. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't have, I don't know if you want a serious answer or not, but that's that's what immediately came to mind. <laughs> that was quick. Okay, so Case is going to work on his swimming skills, and then parallel hopefully you guys parking, can take maybe. some of the content today. Oh, okay, swimming and parallel parking. Those are yeah, some focuses go. for 2022. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much. As where can everyone find you? The podcast. I know you have journals. Tell us where we can we connect with you. Uh, Case.Kenny on Instagram. The podcast is New Mindset Who Does Journals. Um, I have a, a variety of mindfulness journals. I have one focused on dating as well called Singles Your Superpower. Those are New Mindset Who Um Not sure when this is being released, but in two weeks, I'm releasing a new dating um, journal, which is going to be pretty exciting as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, Case. So I think we definitely need to do a part two because we covered so much ground and I feel like we didn't even get to talk about breakups and recovering and getting back into the dating world after a breakup. There are so many different pieces I wanted to cover and I think we're going to do a part two. I need to listen to this podcast again and take some notes because I'm very much in the dating scene right now trying to navigate the waters of getting back into the world after a breakup and I feel like there's so much content in here that I could really apply for myself. So again, if you found value, please leave a rating and review. You can screenshot your review and send it to info at chelsearife.com or at chelsearife, and you'll be entered into a giveaway to win one variety pack of Curious Elixirs. So these are booze-free cocktails. I would highly advise you try them if you're trying to reduce your alcohol intake, if you're sober curious, if you're just like, you know what, I would love a weekend where I'm not hungover, you probably want to check out Curious Elixirs. You can also get $10 off an order of $50 or more by using my code RIFE22, which I will plug in the show notes. So just check out the show notes. Be sure to follow Case. I'm sure you already do. And I'm sure you've already reposted him because I know I have. And you be sure to follow me at Chelsea Rife. Stay tuned for March because I have kind of a crazy idea. 
I think I'm going to do something called March Madness with podcasting where I am just going to air a bunch of episodes because I've interviewed a lot of people and I really don't like sitting on these episodes because I know they're so valuable and they're going to help a lot of you or inspire you or make you laugh or whatever the case is. And I don't want to wait until like May to air some of these. So I feel like what I'm going to do, I'm not making any promises, but I'm 99% sure I'm going to do this is drop two episodes a week for the whole month of March. So March is going to be deemed March Madness podcast edition and get ready. There are a lot of incredible people coming on from entrepreneurs, from friends that I've met while traveling. So every time I do those story polls and you guys are like, I want to hear your crazy travel stories. Well, I'm having people on to talk about those. I'm going to talk about some major life updates, including a huge trip that I'm going on and how I'm preparing for it mentally, financially, emotionally. I'm going to be sharing a lot of personal episodes and fun guest ones in the next month. So just stay tuned. And just a reminder, if you do want to start your own podcast and work with me one-on-one, I do have spots open now and I'll be enrolling until the end of March. So which it's which one comes first. If I fill all the six spots up, then I'll close enrollment or by the end of March. So you have about a month to figure out if you want to work together. Just head to my website, chelseareif.com and head to the one-on-one podcast coaching application or go to my Instagram and the link is in my bio as well. And once you fill out that application, I'll read through it, see if we're a fit, we'll get on a call and then start working together. So I'm really excited about this. This is my favorite thing to do is help people launch podcasts. We need more people in the space. We need your voice. We need your unique angle. We want to hear your story. I am so sick of listening to the same 10 podcasts over and over again, and I'm ready for something new and I'm ready to help you do that. So again, chelsearife.com, head to the one-on-one podcast coaching application, and I cannot wait to talk to you. All right. Well, stay tuned for next week slash next month, aka March Madness podcast edition. You're going to be seeing my name a lot in your podcast feed. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. And I will see you next week. If you're like me and you're exploring a sober, curious lifestyle, it's time to check out Curious Elixirs. Curious Elixirs are booze-free craft cocktails infused with adaptogens to help you unwind. So whether you're sober or you're sober curious, or you want to extend dry January into dry February, it's time to check out Curious Elixirs, which are on a mission to create the world's most sophisticated cocktails without the alcohol. They are inspired by classics like the Aperol Spritz, the Spicy Margarita, and the Negroni, and every Curious Elixir is handcrafted with organic ingredients and no refined sugar. Their ingredients include adaptogens and plants that benefit your body, helping you relax and de-stress without the hangover. They offer one-time orders as well as a subscribers-only Curious Cocktail Club to ensure your fridge stays stocked. Curious Elixirs can be found online and you can have it directly shipped to your door at CuriousElixirs.com. My favorite right now is the number three. It tastes like a cucumber Collins and I pour it over some ice, garnish it with an orange. It is absolutely delicious and you should definitely check it out. Again, head to curiouselixirs.com or head to the link in my show notes and try it for yourself. 